If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of In the Details with yours truly, Karen Allen. I am sitting here today with Shola Richards, who just in the first couple of minutes of us getting to know each other, I'm like, brother, I feel like I have known you. Shola, thank you so much for being here. Karen, I'm so pumped. I mean, I, I know the listeners can feel it, but your energy is just, sometimes I'm like, man, someone who's meeting my energy and bringing it back it's so fun it's like a fun game of volleyball and yeah. I'm, I'm here for all of it well I was a volleyball player growing up so I take oh. part. I love that reference yeah you gotta talk my daughter's a volleyball but we need to talk offline about that because if you have any tips she's a five nine and she's a setter and she's 13 so we'll get into oh, that oh yeah we'll have to talk absolutely. about that offline that's all right that's right but I mean for the listeners this is a glimpse of the synergy that we just discovered and I will tell you what drew me in you know I know that you are a workplace culture speaker I see that you're the founder of go together global which is phenomenal and author of two books go together and making work work and what really drew me in is I started you know poking around and seeing your online presence is this idea that you have of joyful peak performance that I would love for us to to kind of get into what that really means but before we get to that how did you get into this work that you're doing today oh my gosh well first of all thank you for allowing me to have the platform to share this on in the details podcast I uh, you know I wish I could say that the journey started in a joyful place that I'm talking about joyful peak performance yeah. but I, I gotta keep it 100 on your podcast so I um 15 plus years ago, I worked in a really toxic work environment that was beyond description. And um, just horrible, horrible things were happening to me while I was there. And um, after about 18 months of dealing in, with this workplace toxicity, I fell into a very deep depression. And I'm not using that term like euphemistically, like oh, I was so sad. It wasn't sadness. It was clinical depression. Mm-hmm. And one morning did while driving- Did someone notice it in you or did you notice it in yourself? Ah, you know, here's the strange thing. I didn't even notice it myself. I was just like, you know, this doesn't feel right. Maybe I didn't realize until after the fact that it was clinical depression. I was just more like, ah, just feel a little off, you know? And I don't, I don't feel, I feel like life has no purpose. And like, why am I doing this? And one of the things that really hurt me a lot is I'm a, I'm already what's called an HSP, a highly sensitive person. So I feel things really deeply. And I ponder lots of things like, why are people so mean to each other? Like, why can people just be better to each other? And when I was dealing with this for the past 18 months, 15 plus years ago, in my dark place, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm done. I'm out. And, you know, keeping it real, Karen, I wish I could say like, yeah, man, I I was saying I'm done with the job, but unfortunately it was far darker than that. I made a decision while driving to that toxic job that I was going to take my own life. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's tough about that? It was, it wasn't just thinking about it. I attempted. So I live in Los Angeles and I attempted to drive my car off the overpass the 405 freeway in an attempt to make it look like an accident. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the guardrail held, thankfully. Um, I came back in incoming traffic. And you know, it's weird for suicide survivors. It's like, for many of us, it's almost like a, a wake-up call, but it's like, it's almost like a rebirth. I think a wake-up call is, is almost too um, light. It's like a rebirth. It's like, oh my gosh, 
I will, and everyone's different, but for me, I was like, I will never allow myself to get to this point again. And maybe more importantly, I, I got to help others who are dealing with this type of situation. And that's really what started me on this path. Um, cause I did some research, like there's gotta be someone out there who can help people like me who are dealing with toxic workplaces. And maybe there were 15 plus years ago. I didn't know who they were. I mean, yeah, if, I if there were, them. there were not many. No, correct. And, and so I was like, man, so someone, I talked to one of my buddies, like, gosh, why isn't someone doing something about this? Why isn't something doing about this? Yeah. Doing something about this? He's like, well, look, you're someone, why don't you do something about it? I was like, wow. oh, um, okay. Notice you're like no because i'm in it and <laughs> yeah. i'm not the person that needs to leave you <laughs> exactly like why me it's like the reluctant hero story um but uh but about how long after that incident did he i would say you know kind of throw that back in your face as a challenge to say hey you should be someone who stands up and who does what was the time frame between you attempting and and having this conversation with your friend yeah so I um one thing to close the loop on that I after I attempted I walked into the, my office and quit on the spot and it just left good um, for you I am yeah. glad to hear the end of that no no two-week notice no like no. hey no like, I'm out um but you know, the story isn't super sexy. I spent a lot of time in depression and just kind of in bed and not getting up and getting out or anything. So it was about months, a few months afterward, we had the conversation, you know, I was doing some research and I, like I said, I didn't find anything. This is back when bookstores were still like the thing, like Borders bookstore was still in yeah. business. And I'd be sitting in there reading, looking for tips. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm coming up empty. And it's like, well, why don't you figure it out? I was like, yeah. oh, all right, well, game on. Game on. Okay. I mean, wow. Think about also how far we've come, especially because that was your reality. And now today we're the fact that you could even build a business that is a sustainable business, helping people to find joy at work. I mean, from one end of the spectrum to the other shoulder. Wow. <laughs> you really rose to the occasion. It's funny. Thank you for that. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where and we talk about in the details, right? A lot of it is it's the small things around self-belief. I mean, the the so many people limit themselves to the idea, like, I don't know how to do this. So yeah. I don't know where to start. It's like, just do something. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're like, I gotta, I want to write a book, I don't know where to start. Well, I got an idea. Start with your first sentence. Do something. Want to yes. build a business? Come up with a name for it. Go get the URL reserved on godaddy.com. Like, do something. Mm -hmm. And I think it was for me, it was the stringing together of these little somethings that helped to create um a business that I'm proud of. But I mean, listen, Karen, I have no talent. <laughs> like, I mean, Stop. I was like, I, I mean, I'm telling you. Hold on. Do not say you don't have talent. But if you if you gave me the story, I wasn't prepared. I'll buy that one. I'll buy oh, that fair. version of the story. Okay, we'll go. Uh, that's a fair. That's a fair part of the story. I mean, I wasn't prepared, and that yeah. was the thing. But I mean, it the it's you can become prepared, and you can learn, and you can find things. And especially now, I mean, the internet's oh, yeah. come a long way since 15 years ago. Um, 15 plus years ago, it's longer than that. So you figure out you can find anything from a connected device that's even half working. You can figure out something. So. The challenge for me was to get myself out of that dark state um, and then take the steps I needed to, to rebuild my life. And then I could start building my business. Yes. Yes. Well, first, you know, again, I just want to like, let you know, I am hugging you with my words when I say, I am so glad you're here today. I really well, am. Well, you know, and 
Likewise. I mean, I just think, you know, obviously your listeners know about your challenges um, with your husband and I, and it's hard to put into words, like, you know, when something like that happens, Mm -hmm. how it can change so much, not just externally, but internally as well. So that hug is reciprocated and coming right back at you as well. Yeah. And you know, what really, we're connected in a lot of different ways, but I think that this is something that many people, even if you haven't shared it with anyone, you may have thought it and just know that's okay. Is mm-hmm. that moment where you were like, I'm going to take my car off of the road and the end result could be in my death. And at that point, and I know that feeling of sometimes the pain is just too heavy to carry that honestly, it feels like death is the only way out. But as I navigated those dark thoughts as well, and in my deepest depression, it's funny, I asked you that question because I didn't, I also didn't say, oh, I'm depressed. I didn't have anybody tell me that I was depressed, but it wasn't until later they reflected to me the signs of depression. Like, of course I was depressed, right? Like, of course, of (laughs) of course, right? But I just didn't, I didn't see that because I was trying to get through the day and most of my energy was going to like being on autopilot, as crazy as that sounds. But that moment of feeling like, I'm going to take my car off of the road. I've been there. Mm -hmm. And I remember driving to the grocery store and feeling like if I just take my car to the right and drive it through this wall, one of two things could happen. One, I would be um, free of this pain. That's the first thing I thought. Or the second part was, or at least I'll end up in the hospital for a couple of weeks and I'll get a break from all these people in my face. Like that was, that was the other part was like, I'll even take a break. Like I'll even drive my car through a wall just to get a break from all of this madness that's around me. And so I know that there may be a listener or two who, who, who you've also felt that way. And not to say that we need to normalize it, but I am saying that there is some comfort in knowing that you're not the only one who has felt like you are on the brink of a breakdown, that even if you take some action to it or with it, you can still come back from that place. That's what I want people to hear is you can even still come back from the darkest place where you either attempted, thought about attempting suicide, or maybe even just found yourself in the space where you were giving zero effort. Zero. Okay. You've been there. Now, what direction do you want to take your life? And one of the things that you mentioned was like, maybe you weren't thinking about that business that, you know, your friend was like, oh, you should do something. You said that you initially had to do the work in yourself to get out of that. So what were some of the things that you did very early on to start to move away from that dark place, to heal, to grow, and to start putting your life in the direction where you do feel that joy? Wow. Um, So first of all, I I just really love what you said there, Karen. It's like, you know, there's so, (laughs) this can be so hard. um, But I think one of the things that we do need to normalize are these discussions. We need to normalize it, that it's okay not to be okay, especially two and a half years of dealing with a global pandemic, horrible news cycle that's super depressing like it's okay to middle of a war middle of war that could turn into a nuclear war at any minute right so it's like it's 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 a lot i mean we couldn't even turn on the oscars we're like oh we have a relaxing night with the oscars that even brings it's always something nope (laughs) no so it's like you know i think that's important let me answer your question though around what i did um my i have two daughters and um so i've watched every single disney princess movie on earth um and i didn't realize this because this was long before i was married or had daughters but 
in Frozen 2, um, <laughs> yes, I'm referencing a Frozen movie. Listen, Fro first of all, we're going to normalize all the life lessons that Disney's throwing out. Oh, there. they're, they're oh. ready. Disney comes correct, man. These and, movies, and, they act like they're for kids. They're for adults. Oh, <laughs> trust, trust. <laughs> because adults too, aren't they? <laughs> they, Absolutely. <laughs> trust there for us. You know, because in Frozen 2, um, Princess Anna and Princess Elsa had like a falling out or something. And Princess Anna fell into what I thought was a depression. And, you know, what she started singing about because that's how they communicate in Disney movies um was around doing the next right thing and yes. I thought about that um I thought about that when I reflected back to what I did 15 plus years ago is stringing together these really tiny wins like maybe just people who haven't dealt with mental illness or challenges what they find us to be silly but those who get it the real ones know <laughs> I'll put it that yeah. way um I had to um, I was like, all right, I'm going to brush my teeth this morning. Um, I'm going to get out of bed this morning. I'm actually going to go outside. I'm going to have sunlight and vitamin D infuse my skin for like 15 minutes. I'm going to contact friends that have been hitting my voicemail because I'm not responding. Like all these things. And, and when you start stacking these tiny little things together, the next right thing, as Anna said, 20 plus years later, however long it was, um, it it started to pull me out of my state and you know everyone's in a different place in terms of their mental health but one of the things that i found to be really useful for me was to think about what is one thing that is within my control that i can do right now to help myself get better yes. and just that alone was enough for me to be able to because if we realize there's so much that's out of our control but the things that are we gotta rock that Karen Man. we have to we, we have, have to. to we have to there was this quote uh Oprah said you if you're waiting for someone to you know heal you or teach you or whatever like you have to own your decisions you have to own your life you have to take responsibility and I hear you because this is a quote that I love and I lean into and I share often small hinges move big doors think about these like little small things that same same man i was like oh i i shower today Woo, that's, yeah. a win. that's a win that's a win right it's a win i got I mean, outside <laughs> right i mean you think about going through all of what you went through and and it's funny to me when i sometimes because i live in los angeles so i um you know, it's an interesting group of folks who live in our city. And sometimes you see people get so worked up over the fact that their their latte was like three degrees cooler than what they expected. I'm like, and I often, I give blessings. I'm like, listen, I am grateful. I hope that you find peace in whatever it is that you need. But I also find that the best people who I've known, Karen, I swear to you, and it, it are the ones who've gone through some stuff. The ones who have been through, and I don't wish this upon anyone, but I think there's a unique perspective that you have when you tragically lose a loved one like you did, or um, fell into the throes of depression like I did, or you get into an awful accident, or or these or got cheated on, or and they left left you alone, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Usually what I find is that, you know, the choice that you get bitter or you get better. And I think a lot of times folks have gotten to a point where that I get to run into people like you, you're a perfect example of this, taking that pain and not wasting it um, and turning it into something powerful, not just this podcast, but the work that you do on stage. And I think that's a powerful way of, 
of, of reimagining how the outcome could have been and using it in a way so that awful person who did that um, doesn't get to take away more from you than he already did. Right. And also with you, right? This toxic workplace does not get the best of you. It does nope. not take over your life. It, mm. right? It doesn't quite literally, it doesn't kill you. Exactly. We're, yeah. We don't let that win. We don't let them win. We don't let that win. We don't let it win. And the way that we do that is by taking ownership over our choices. Because, you know, the reality is, as you just mentioned, you could be bitter, or you could be better. So if you had stayed in that workplace, you oh were choosing to stay there though, right? <laughs> you were choosing to be amongst toxic people and to stay in a place where people were just straight up mean, like just yep. me, right? Yep. But you could also choose something different. Same as I've experienced, as I've heard other people experience and so many, oh my gosh, I have countless episodes here of incredible people who found themselves in a moment where they recognize their power of choice. Yep. Because that's really what it comes, that's the defining moment is when you recognize that you have a choice and instead of choosing to add more negativity to an already unhealthy or terrible situation, you choose to respond in a way that will take it in a different direction, a better direction for you and the people around you. You nailed it. And you know, there's a quote that I often remind myself of that one of my mentors shared with me was, um, what you're not changing, you're choosing. Yeah. And, and I think about that often. It's like, I, that's the reason why I was like, yeah, I'm out. And I went straight into that office. I'm like, I, I don't even know if I even said goodbye. I was in such a, I just grabbed the stuff that I cared about, left my desk and like, you have whatever's inside. Mm -hmm. I'm out. And I, it's tough because I, I can't say this enough. Our mental health has to be a priority. We have to get to a place where we are talking about our challenges more freely so people can feel safe and have that psychological safety. Be like, hey, I'm burned out or I need help or I am really in a bad place right now without the fear of being shamed or embarrassed for doing so. That's how we get to create that connection that can possibly change the world. Yeah. And actually that's what also helps us to get to our peak performance because right. when we're not holding on to those heavy things that are weighing us down, when we are open about them in safe places where we also know we're getting tools and resources to be able to deal with those things, then we find ourselves in a space that we all actually really hope that we can live in and that's in flow, right? That's, that's, right. What, that's what we want. We really want to live in flow. So let's transition a little bit. I sure. would love to hear how, you know, Yes, it started little for let me let me shower, let me get out out of the house. Um, and then you started to transition. At what point did you start thinking about? Oh, I could turn this into a business. I could turn this into a way of living that actually helps others, which I think is for like so. It is so admirable because it already takes enough energy for us to get through our stuff, but then for us to find our healing. And I, I would say for us to pursue healing and growth at the time where we're also pursuing a business venture, because that's how my story lined up. I was like, okay, honestly, I don't know why I'm choosing this. This feels straight up mad, but yet I kept doing it. So what was that transition like for you as you were like, okay, now I'm in a space where I want to help other people through this experience. Oh my God. First of all, I just, I cannot tell you how much I just love you and your energy. I just, it just, I cannot get enough of this. This podcast needs to go on for another three hours. <laughs> um, but uh, seriously, um, I, I wish I could have said like, oh yeah, once I finally got myself together and got my act together, I was like, let's start a business. 
no i i was riddled with self-doubt and i and i really the stories i told myself were really toxic why me um i'm not good enough why would anyone listen to me i don't have the right credentials or blah 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 blah, blah. and every single time i thought of starting i i just couldn't do it and then it was interesting it started with the whole next right thing thing where i was like you know what what I'm going to do, and this is back in like 2012, 2013, when blogs were like a huge thing. I was like, <laughs> not so much anymore, but back in the day, it was, it was hot. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start my own blog. All I need is like, you know, connected device and WordPress and I can get going. And I just started sharing my, my thoughts with the world. It was a small thing. I was like, maybe people will resonate with this idea. And make a long story short, you know, it picked up and people started reading it and following it. And I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. And then before you knew it, after about a year of writing on this blog every week, someone reached out to me like, hey, do you have a book in you? I was like, do I have a book in me? Who are you? Like, are you something like one of my former like basketball players pranking, trying to punk me or something? Like, no, 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 for real. Like, we, there's, um, I want to see if we can get you a book deal and got a book deal and wrote my first book making work work and at that point I was like maybe maybe and still and most people are like dude that's like a dream I was like but for me I was like I still had self-doubt it's like the imposter syndrome then kept up like dude it's only a matter of time before they find out that I don't know anything about what I'm doing right, 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 right. I have no degree in this <laughs> yeah a lot of passion there's a lot of energy and then mm -hmm. for, before you knew it you know I started to lean into it and people were like, you know what, you should start speaking, like speaking, like mm. what is speaking? Why would I do that? Like, what is speak? For? What do you mean? Like Tony Robbins or like Les Brown? Like, what do you like? I don't, yeah. Like them. I was like, uh, okay, you got the wrong dude. But then after fighting through self-doubt and just dipping a toe in, then a whole foot, then a leg, um, it started me on this path of building a business. And anyone who's listening to this who feels self-doubt is in their world and that they're not capable i can tell you a couple of secrets there is no one no one who knows what they're doing like we're all just trying to figure this out like amen every, 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 and louder for the people in the back <laughs> seriously <laughs> none of us know what we're doing right we're just trying to figure it out as we go so when you're sitting with self-doubt saying i don't know what to do the only difference between you and the person who's actually doing something is that they've gotten past their fear to fumble around and figure it out in the dark, just like everyone else's. Mm -hmm. And secondly, just be kind to yourself and begin, because I'll tell you a year from now, you will wish you started today. Yes, that is so true. That is so true. Now, when you started this journey though, and you were blogging, were you already uh, working for another employer? Was I was. That was that a healthier space that you it felt was. like, you were, oh man, I can it only was. imagine. Like, you're like, either I have current content going on on this blog <laughs> or, or I'm in a healthier space. And that is giving me some, some room to really process and talk about past experiences. So mm -hmm. I am happy to hear that it was the latter. <laughs> oh yeah. It was much, much better, much healthier environment. And just, I mean, of course it had its challenges, but overwhelmingly positive. And, um, I think a lot of the success that I've had, um, is due to some of the connections and the things that I was able to do while I was there. So I'm very grateful for that. Yes. And now the idea of joyful peak performance, when I think of peak performance, um, I think of 
several things, but we'll just say like the main pillars of this are definitely one energy management, right? Mm -hmm. So I think about, you have to, when we talk about mental health, it's not just talking about people who are clinically diagnosed with any sort of ailments. We're talking about brain health, at least in my world, right? Mental health is also brain health because you have to understand those balances in your brain. You also, there are things that we can do like deep breathing and drinking enough water that also help our brain health. So, but the reason I bring that up is because for you to reach your peak performance, you have to pay attention to your mental health. You have to take care of your brain. But then there are other parts of this where I see peak performance is, um, you know, really leaning into your gifts and your talents and, you know, finding that energy between what you think is amazing and like what the world needs from you, right? It's like how you're able to serve uh, the world through your own interests. I think of that as peak performance, but you threw joyful in front of it. And now I'm like, Hold on, there's something, there's an added layer to all of this. And I would love to hear, how do you define joyful peak performance? Uh, I, first of all, I agree with everything that you said. So for me, when I think of joyful peak performance, it is, it's the energy management that you mentioned before. It's the relationships that you cultivate. It's doing the best work that you can do while you're able to do it and doing it in a state of joy. Now, happiness is one thing and happiness is kind of fleeting, but joy is far deeper when you're able to really derive sincere enjoyment from what it is that you're doing. So that's my thing. So when I think about energy management, let's just start with that one for a second. You know, <clears throat> you cannot perform at your peak if you are burned out, if you're putting in 70, 80 hours a day. I mean, I some people a week, I should say, a day would make no sense because it's only 24 hours, <laughs> 70 hours a week. The idea is eventually what's going to end up happening is you're going to burn out and you're not, you're not, it's like the person who's driving around. It's like, Hey, I'm too busy driving to stop to get gas. It's like, right. well, that's dumb. Like eventually something's going to happen. Your car is going to stop and you will be forced to do so. Um, and the thing that I, I really preach um, when it comes to people, peak performance, joyful peak performance is prioritizing rest. It's yeah. a radical act now because we live in this place of like, man, hustle, man, like sleep when you're dead, man, hustle team, let's go. Hashtags, you know, like, like okay. Grind mode on. Yeah, man, nonsense. grind mode, yeah. rise and grind. It's like awesome. Yeah. I'm I, I'm not mad at people. I'm not I'm not anti hard work. Obviously, there's no reason we, two of us wouldn't be here if we, were, if we weren't for hard right. work. But if you don't take the time to not just recover, but to literally schedule it in, like I see people who are executives who are super scheduled, over scheduled, double scheduled. Like mm -hmm. you need to put a block in your calendar where you can just chill, where no one can touch you, no one can find you, and you're just using it for renewal and being really intentional about that because a lot of people don't do that so i start there before i even get into the peak performance tips because like if you if you're not taking care of yourself well yeah. you can't give what you don't have if you're not joyfully in a place of like all right i'm good then you can't help anyone else and the rest of the stuff i could get onto forever but around relationships how we show up for each other mm -hmm. um, my main work really is around civility how we treat each other in the workplace and making sure that we are mindful of how our words and actions affect others mm. that's something that i feel is kind of missing in this day and age and i in the workplace and outside of it so i spend a lot of time helping people to gain mindfulness around how they're treating others um, to prioritize kindness as a way of leading and people look at like well 
that means I just let people do whatever the heck it is that they want. And I just like that. If you think that's kindness, then I, I mean, that's like my kids being like, hey, if I was being kind under that definition, I'd be giving my kids Skittles for dinner every night. Right. That's what they want. Right. That's <laughs> like kindness is demonstrating through your actions that you care about another human being. And it's hard decisions, having hard discussions with people, giving feedback, correcting them when needed and, and guiding them to a better solution. It's not as having hard conversations that most people choose to avoid. Mm -hmm. That's kind. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about this, when environments like this brings joy, when people have joy in the work that they're doing, whether it is a flight crew for an airline or a surgical crew in a hospital or a pro football team, what it requires is that people are there communicating with respect and kindness. They're taking time for themselves to be able to have the physical capacity and emotional and mental capacity to do their best work. And maybe most importantly, out of all of that is continually having the energy and the courage to push past challenges that will come in their way doing so creates joy yes oh you're right we could keep this conversation going for at least another day we just need part two <laughs> a part two let's do it you can we are gonna do a part two you made me think of something that is you know the the pandemic in the last couple of years really shocked a lot of our systems and uh, the biggest system shock was to how we are working and how we integrate our, our work life um uh you know pieces of us, our roles, if you will. And I remember uh, Katie Burke, who's a chief people officer at HubSpot, she put this out after they had an all hands meeting and announced that they are now putting rest at the center of their operations. Oh my and gosh. I saw, yeah. And I saw a lot of really extraordinary leaders step up in that way as well. Um, companies who, you know, now have quarterly mental health days, everybody shuts down, right? You don't have to take one yourself. And if you need to, that's fine. But like collectively, we're also going to do that. Mm. I mean, it, there's so much honor in, in the gifts that you can bring to this world if you give yourself the time to refresh and reset so that you can be your best when those gifts come out. Um, but then the other piece of this, which I absolutely love, is it's something that, um, so former athlete also, right? You and I both, we kind of operate from this space of um, what it looks like to be on a team, yep. which is why I think we both um, struggle with that concept of like, also like, why are you just being mean? Like, you don't have to be mean, right? I remember feeling like that when I went through some bullying in middle school. I'm like, I don't understand why you're being mean when I like, I haven't done anything. If I was a jerk <laughs> to you, I get it. Be a jerk right back to me. But like, I don't understand where it's coming from because my mindset probably, I think, as I was trying to connect these dots from being an athlete is that we should be working together as a team. It was a concept that I also learned being a military child and seeing it in that community environment, seeing it in the home, seeing it when I played sports. So I always felt like, no, there's this thing that connects us all. And when we work together, we're going to get the win, right? We're going to get over it. Well, I didn't actually know the depth of the African uh, uh, proverb around Ubuntu. Yes. And then I watched, uh, of course, the Michael Jordan documentary, Phil Jackson is in there and he's talking about how much he subscribes to it, how he brought it in. Mm. 
And I noticed that you also bring in some flavors of this as well. Yes. Can you tell me a little more about how this plays out in your life and in the work that you're doing, the, the concept of Ubuntu? Yeah, so it's funny because my second book, Go Together, was specifically around that topic of Ubuntu. And it's loosely translated to mean I am because we are. And it's the height of human compassion, kindness, and connectedness. You know, it's interesting the 2008 um, NBA champion, Boston Celtics, they, they're rallying cry. That's where it was. It wasn't yes. Jill Jackson. It was the Doc Rivers. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. where it was. That's where it was. That's yeah. where you, I was tracking with you. We were going to get there. We're, we're, we're there. there. We're there. No, I'm almost, I, I mean, athlete to athlete. I got all this. I just love, <laughs> I just love sports. And that was one of the things that really was, was powerful. These, they brought in three superstars, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce was already there, but brought them in and they had to figure out how to make it work in their first year together, they won a championship. For me, um, that was actually not my first introduction to the word. It's been something that I've, my dad is from West Africa, Sierra Leone, and I learned from about it from him. And But this word Ubuntu was the height of human compassion, human kindness, and human connectedness. And, you know, I have heard it before, but I didn't really dive into it deeply until about like seven or eight years ago, where I was like, I need to learn more about this word. What is this word? Because I think that there's a way to operationalize this, for lack of a better way of putting it, in the workplace, where people show up for each other selflessly, where they're not looking to see how I can get something from someone else. And if I were to hurt you, Karen, as a coworker, technically in the Ubuntu mindset, I'm not hurting you. I'm hurting myself. Hurting myself. Yeah. And it's like, so how can we do this in a way? Because similar to what you said, you know, as an athlete, I, I, I was, I'd had people who would bully me and be mean to me. And I literally said what you just said, which is so funny, where it's like, God, I, I don't, I mean, if I was being mean to you, like, I, I mean, then I, I, I guess that would be fine. And then you can give it back. But like, I'm just trying to play Live. over here and, and hang out with my friends and eat at the cafeteria without someone, you know, dumping milk on my head and thinking it's funny. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, and I really, to this day, whether it's someone back last year when I was on a plane and someone refused to wear a mask when the mask mandate was going on and screaming at the flight attendant and making everyone's life on the plane miserable. And it's like, and I just kept thinking to myself, like, man, like, why, why are you being mean right now to this? The flight attendant is just doing her job and her job is enforcing the law that we all have to wear a mask on this plane. Um, it's just all these things. I'm like, we got to create a kinder world. And that's really where a lot of my work is coming from. And Ubuntu, that word is one of those words that doesn't have an English equivalent, but what it does is the height of human kindness, compassion, and connectedness. So we just need to bring more of that to the work that we do and to the lives that we lead. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you rose to the challenge that your friend gave you years ago, that you yeah. got in front of it, that you decided that you were going to be one of the, the conduits, if you will, right? One of the vessels of this good message and this good work, because we absolutely need more of it. I'm sure that your time leading up to where we are in the world today um, has been a, a little bit of an uphill battle because before, and I, because our work is so similar and the work that I do of creating a human-centric workplace, right? You and I are overlapping. And I love this. I feel 
like we're a part of the same army, no doubt. Yes, oh no doubt. And yeah, and leading up to the climate of the world today, mm-hmm. people weren't really thinking about how to care for one another at work, how to love one another, be kind, how to show that respect. Um, but now, I don't know if you're seeing this the same way that I am. I'm, I'm sure you are. The leaders and the companies that are really on that trajectory for long-term sustainable success, not only have they adopted these more human-centric values, but they're doing it loudly. Yes. They are real, they are like they are doing it loud and proud, and they are doing it in so many areas. And those are my favorite clients. I'm like, <laughs> I love rocking with you. Same. Let's do more <laughs> of that. So for those clients who are looking to build more of this kindness and this love and this connectedness into their work, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? And where can they learn more? Oh, first of all, thank you for that. It is it's an honor to be shoulder to shoulder with you in this army. Um, the easiest way to find me is just www.sholarichards.com. That's the easiest way. All my information is there. You can hit me up. It'd be a pleasure and an honor. Um, and I can tell you this work needs more people who are willing to create human-centered, kind, dare I say, environments of joyful peak performance. And it's so cool to be doing this with you. It's an honor. Yes, agreed, agreed. Well, thanks for all your good work. And uh, we will drop all of Shola's information in the show notes. Make sure you stay connected for the next episode of In the Details. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcast. 